Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, William Liu of Yahoo Sports Canada. And on this week's episode of the Raptors Recap, I have former Clippers and Spurs video coordinator, creator of thejumpball.net, and Washington Post contributor, Mo Dakil. Welcome. Oh, thank you, Will, for having me, man. Thank you. That's a very impressive uh, very impressive resume that you got there. Ah, thank you. Thank you. I I've, I've certainly have tried. Uh, you know. Was was hoping one day be a head coach. Didn't work out that way. <laughs> Man. Um, but you got pretty close, though. You got you got you got you got closer than most. I feel like uh, just rattle off your your resume a little bit because you know basketball is taking you all over the world. Yeah. So let's see. I've spent eight years in the NBA. Uh, I had two different stints with the Clippers, uh, three years each, and then two with the Spurs. And while working with the Spurs, I got an opportunity to work with Brett Brown and Team Australia for three years, and that was from 2010 to the 2012 Olympics. So uh, basketball literally has taken me around the world from going to Australia and playing games and with that team in Europe and, and all the way to the Olympics. So, uh, yeah, basketball, that ball has taken me around the world a few times. Yeah, I mean, that's, that sounds like a, a great life so far. Um, what would you say, like, what goes into, like, the everyday day-to-day workings of uh, a video coordinator before we go to any Raptor stuff I'm just I'm very curious about just how that goes well I mean I think you know the funniest thing was like people would always tell me like I want your job I'm like no you don't my job's hard a video coordinator job is hard it's you constantly have to make sure you have film ready for whatever we're doing in practice of and usually that's showing what what your team did that the night before whenever you last played and and have that film ready. You're constantly preparing for upcoming opponents. You know, we always say teams shouldn't be looking ahead. Well, it's the video coordinator's job to always be looking ahead. Um, Now we're preparing for playoff prep. You know, this is something I would have started probably a few weeks ago, you know, just preparing for all the different possible playoff uh, opponents we might have in the first round and, and, and start getting film ready together. So on the day-to-day stuff, you know, you're coming in early, you're you're getting ready for coaches' meetings, making sure that film's ready and, and, and whatever is being shown. You're you're working with your video staff if you have one. Not every team has a, a, a large video staff. And you're getting together with whatever coach has the scout coming up next and, and, and working on making sure he has all the film and we're ready to go on that regard. And you're working with the head coach in terms of making sure he's got everything he wants for whenever the team's going to practice. And then you're going to the players and doing the same thing and making sure they have everything they want. So it's just a matter of always being prepared and making sure film's ready. Right. It sounds like a lot of late nights, early mornings, things like this. Well, I mean, you're not sleeping much. If you're going to be a video <laughs> coordinator, like just don't count on much sleep and don't count on much of a social life. Right. Um, 
Well, I mean, Evie, I think we've established so far that you're probably the most uh, qualified guest we've had on the podcast so far. Um, let's uh, let's move over to the Raptors and sort of just let's start with just the bigger picture, right? Obviously, in the offseason, they make the change from going from Dwayne Casey to Nick Nurse. And, you know, Nick Nurse has been an assistant here with the Raptors for a while. Just from your observations, what have you seen differently out of this Raptors team just from a coaching perspective uh, with the change they made in the offseason? Yeah, it's you know it's funny. It's it's kind of hard to compare just with the big change of of switching out Kawhi Leonard for uh, Demar Derozan. But the other thing too was, you know, and and it was talked about many times last year how how Nick Nurse was the one who kind of revolutionized their offense last year. So there hasn't been I haven't felt like there's been that much of a change in terms of what they're doing offensively. I will say this though, there is a an onus to really push the ball more in transition, you know, just kind of looking at stats from synergy, um, dot com, you know, the, the Raptors in transition last year kind of just ran it about 15% of the time. And we're mostly a half court team this year. They've upped that to 20%, you know, and, and they have the highest points per possession in transition, uh, just in, in, in that regard. And, and, that's kind of something like you, know, you can tell that there's a real onus to just kind of let's get the ball out, let's get running, and let's get going in transition. And I would say that's probably the biggest change. After that, I think he's you know the half court offense has kind of always been Nick Nurse's baby, especially since last year. So I don't feel like there's been too much of a change there. Right. Um, and and why I mean, change? Why change? You tell working, me. You know what I mean? Like uh, you tell me, Will. Like is that is that how? I, what do what do you what are you seeing in that regard? You know, it's funny. I think I largely agree with you. Like, the offense has been kind of the same. I will say sort of since Gasol has come, they've changed the um, the way the offense is running. So a lot of it was pick and roll before, right? Um, DeMar was a very good pick and roll player. Kawhi is also a good pick and roll player, but he doesn't create and doesn't pass as well out of the pick and roll. So they don't run as many of those for him. And Kyle, obviously, is a pick and roll just wizard, especially with the passing. But uh, I think since Gasol has come, though, I think uh, – the way the offense is running now, there's a lot more stuff coming out of the high post, uh, a lot of more off-ball action as well, and uh, it feels like as the year's gone on, and also as sort of the you know as the roster has gotten more sophisticated, they've uh, they started to sprinkle in a couple more uh, wrinkles to the offense. But one of the pieces that you wrote on the Raptors earlier this season that I thought was really great that you should check out on the Washington Post was about Nick Nurse and how he's created this one-two-two zone. And you know, you know, we talked about Nurse has always been in charge of the offense, but um, I mean, talk about this one-two-two zone because I feel like it really does express a lot of creativity on the part of Nick Nurse. Yeah. So here's the thing: most common defense in the NBA is man-to-man. That's something that we haven't seen a lot of. The zone defense kind of, when they change the rules, it it, it you can play a manipulated zone. You can't just do a straight two-three zone and pack a guy in the paint. Right. We know that rule, right? It's going to be a defensive three, a technical foul, free throw on the ball and all that stuff. So and we still see it from time to time when guys don't get out of the paint. What you know, the, the zone that that Nick Nurse set up, you know, with a one, two, two zone really kind of just made it a point to like we're going to get out to the shooters and, and not really have. It's, it, it doesn't really open up the paint, but they don't have, they're not in a threat to always get a defensive three because there's nobody really in the paint for more than a, two seconds. You know, jump in, jump out, kind of be there for help or whatnot. So it allows them to kind of get out. And, you know, you're seeing more and more teams this year use a zone, which is, is has gone up from years past just because 
offenses aren't used to that. When you're in a regular season, you don't have a lot of time to scheme for a specific team, and that's what kind of makes the playoffs different. But in the regular season, you can catch a team off guard with a zone just because, you know, when was the last time a guy like LeBron James had seen a zone? You know, he didn't play any college ball. But any of these kids who've played college ball, you know, they haven't seen one since then because they rarely see it in the NBA. So it was a nice little smart wrinkle to kind of throw out there. And, you know, I, I'd say the the Raptors have, have used it a little bit less than they were, I think, in the beginning of the year. Um you know, and I think part of that is with Gasol and, and and things like that. It's hard to kind of get him up to snuff in terms of what where he needs to be in the zone and things like that because that requires a ton of communication. Because when you run a zone defense, you open yourself up to giving up a lot of offensive boards, and I think that's kind of something that the the Raptors did a really good job, you know, of of just kind of keeping teams down to one shot and that was it. So, you know, the zone defense is something that. We didn't see a lot of last year. We started to see this year, and I'll be interested to see if Nick Nurse uses it much in the uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, I think one of the things that you pointed out in the zone also is that like it's a little bit unorthodox because they're putting Pascal as that one, and um, and it's really just you're leveraging a lot of his athleticism because he's so quick and he's also very long at six foot nine that he's comfortable sliding around on the perimeter, but uh, he's also able to really shut off penetration from that spot. Yeah, I mean him having him having a guy like Pascal at the top of the zone is really a a, a problem for most teams because you know that's your guard coming down and now you have this I don't even know what his wingspan is but it's <laughs> incredible it's long that's just my definition of it it's not a number it's just long yeah and you know and I, and and can really disrupt things and he's got quickness and speed with that you know so I think you know being able to put him there and then have guys you know, who are good defenders in their own right and Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, Kyle Lowry and all those guys, you know, Serge Ibaka kind of as your rim protector, being able to kind of back that up behind him allows Siakam to be a little more aggressive at the top of it and sort of disrupt things. And I think that's kind of where that stuff stems from. Yeah, I think uh, I think to be honest, like Nick is one of the biggest things with Nick coming in is just he's had to come in and bring in sort of fresh ideas, you know, like creativity to the job. Um, Because I feel like that was one of the knocks against Dwayne Casey was that, you know, he'd run like a – he'd keep things very consistent in the regular season and his teams were great at executing. But, um, you know, he didn't really have that many other wrinkles in his his game plan and it felt like in the playoffs it was easier to scheme against a team like the Raptors. It felt a bit predictable. And, like, this year I feel like Nurse um, has got more creative and I think that zone is one example of that – what about the idea that uh, with the offense? So I think the offense for the Raptors has been pretty efficient all season. I think it's been top 10, and it should be based on talent. But uh, as you pointed out previously that, um, you know, there is kind of a strange disconnect with, like, the way the Raptors move the ball with Kyle Lowry and now Gasol, and, like, the ball movement is almost Spursian. And then you got Kawhi, who came from the Spurs, but then he plays a lot more isolation, and, and marrying the two of them together has sort of been sort of a season-long process. Yeah, so I've been banging that drum for a while. Um, I think you know you can. It's obvious when you watch the game, and, and you even said it when Kawhi comes off of pick and rolls, he's not looking to create. And I think that's kind of a a myth about Kawhi that we seem to think like he's just all in all uh, move the ball kind of guy and and things like that, just because he came from the Spurs system. And I really think you know if you go back to that year, the 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 year before last when he was a top three MVP candidate and all that stuff, you know, Kawhi was a very heavy ball dominant guy. 
you know, in that run. You, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me because I'm terrible at prepping properly for this, Will. <laughs> uh, but the – but you know he was he was very ball dominant in that run, and you see it again with the Raptors. So it's the, the, there's kind of that two offenses I've been talking about, where you know you can see it when Lowry's in the game and and Kawhi's not. That ball's flying around, and you see Lowry's usage goes up a lot. You see his his points per possessions shoot up a lot. Um, and then when when he's in the game with Kawhi, all those numbers drop for him because that ball's in Kawhi's hand, and he hasn't quite figured out how well to play with him. And even even last night's game against Orlando was, gosh, I want to say it was in the first quarter, but there was a possession where I was just like, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. All those guys are on the court together. Gasol's on the court. And really, it's four guys playing and Kawhi just standing in the corner. Like, it just feels like such a weird disconnect to me. And that might have been the design of the play, and it might be unfair for me to have pinpoint one play, but it just really stood out to what I'm talking about. In that sense of this is this has kind of been a weird thing of trying to figure out. I mean, it took Lowry a while to to create that kind of chemistry with DeRozan, hence why they're really incredibly close and all of that. But it took a minute to get there. It wasn't always that that quick. Um, but I think that's also where Gasol comes in, and I think that's where having Gasol kind of is is such a big upgrade over Valanciunas just because his ability to be a playmaker. And, and like you said, you know, being able to throw the ball into the high post and let him make plays off of guys cutting and, and, and things like that. I think that's really where the game is at. And I think that just adds another value and gives them another chance to kind of marry the two. But again, I just don't think like Kawhi is not a cutter. He's not a guy that's going to cut off these guys or things like that. That's where Siakam becomes so important. Cause that's what he does really well. Right. Um, and 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 constantly keeps the pressure on the defense, and these guys are always finding him. Um, but it, it, is that that's the hardest part for Nick Nurse's job right now is figuring out how to get it so that all five guys are working together as one. When Lowry and Kawhi are on the court together, we're just we're just not seeing it, and that might be that might not even be as big of a problem as I think it is, just because I'm a little nerd. Um, but that I mean that but to me when I see that that's kind of what I look at and I'm like man it gets it gets kind of weird when when I see that on the court yeah for sure and I feel like the most pronounced examples of this is like you know down the down the stretch in crunch time let's say it's a five-point game or whatever the last three four minutes the ball is going to Kawhi every single time and I feel like for me personally I'm not as aggrieved by this because I feel like he's still very effective in these isolation possessions right ultimately no matter how you score it's really just about how efficiently you're scoring um and I think this season Kawhi is up to 17% of his possessions in isolation he's at 1.03 points per possession which is pretty good he's in the 84th percentile um but uh I f- I feel like there might be more effective ways right I mean even if you do do a post up I think there's ways where the Raptors are Sometimes they'll have Kawhi dribble at the defense, and that's really just not his strength. He's his dribble is fine, but it's not. He's not like Kyrie Irving. He's not carving up a defense, and he's definitely not passing a lot out of those situations. And it, it's it's almost better if you can get him into the post and let him face up, almost run like a Carmelo Anthony type of offense around him, uh, because he can get you a good shot out of that mid range spot. He's he's very good from that area. Yeah, and and the the thing that's tough about it with. With Kawhi, and, and and especially in crunch time, because that's where I think the problem really gets highlighted. Yeah. Because you have all these guys, but we just talked about how Dwayne Casey was so predictable. Mm-hmm. You know, now it, it, it kind of becomes the same thing. In a close game, you know it's going to be, it's going to come down to the ball's going to be in Kawhi's hands. Can you stop him? 
and the and and that's where it's going to get interesting. And and will Kawhi trust his teammates? You know, will he trust kicking it out to to Lowry? Um, you know, I know he'll trust Danny Green just because they've been together forever. So yeah, um, I think that's that's one guy. But like, w- will he trust the other guys? Will he give it up and then get the ball back? in a different situation, you know, and, and, you know, can, can he get off the ball to get back onto it um, and, and have the advantage? You know, I don't know if that's something he's, it, I don't know if that's something they're really going to do. And again, that kind of, that plays a little bit into the defense's hands. And I think, again, listen, they, they can go to him the whole time and he can <laughs> score a hundred points out of it and they can win games. And, and, and I mean, you know, it, it, it's just the way it works in basketball. Um, sometimes better offense, you know, beats better defense. But I think it still puts a, it gives the defense a chance here. And in that, you know what's going to happen down the stretch of close games. And you know where that ball is going to go. And you know what you got to do to to get the stop. Or, or, you know, if you're the Raptors, you know he's the guy that's got to get you the bucket. It's it, it, it then just becomes a matter of, you know, who who's better that day. And I don't think there's a lot of – I miss the creativity of it. I think there's more things you can do even in crunch time. You know, like you said, having him come off of a slice cut into the post and have Lowry enter it to him and, you know, having your or even better yet, you know, having Gasol in the post and and, and having Kawhi coming off of a, a split action with uh, Danny Green or something. You know, I'm, I'm just throwing stuff on the wall, uh, but just trying to mix it up and change things to catch defenses off guard, you know, might be a play for them. It might be an advantage for them that they could take they can really try to do use but i think you and i both kind of feel at the end of games i, I i'm putting words in your mouth that's not fair oh no, no, no. I feel, I, i've seen it all season it, yeah you're, you're absolutely right the, about this yeah at the end of the game i feel like it's just going to be Kawhi leonard at the top of the key maybe he gets a high ball screen yeah maybe and to be honest like decent defenses are mostly like blitzed him out of that high ball screen and he hasn't he's handled it okay but he's not making like next level passes immediately to an open shooter um off of those uh off the extra attention and so i mean i mean you know going back to what we said earlier i think that's where you you get a guy like assault to sort of just you know marry the two parts together a little bit and i feel like there's sort of been this ongoing discussion within the raptors because you know jv was a guy who a lot of guys a lot of fans really supported him and, and looked at the numbers and said jv should get a lot more touches and a guy like DeRozan should get less touches and obviously it never worked out that way DeRozan was always the number one guy and jv was you know third option at best and now that he's gone to Memphis, and unfortunately his, his year is over with an ankle injury or whatever, but um, he was averaging about 20 points a game. He's posting up huge numbers. And then you look at Gasol, and Gasol's averaging like a career low in scoring and things like this. And I think to a lot of fans, it felt like, wait, what's going on? Did we give up and make the wrong move? But I think you and I are both in agreement that the, the, a guy like Gasol, he's almost like a center version of Kyle Lowry. Like he, he does give you impact and versatility that kind of extends beyond the box score. I mean, listen, I've gone up against Marcus all for years when I was with the Clippers. We've played them in two straight playoff series. The year before I played them in San Antonio. So I've gotten a good look at Marcus all to the point that I hate him. <laughs> okay. um, you know, he's knocked me out of the playoffs twice uh, and I'm not very happy about him. And I, I, I don't hate him. He's a, I'm he's sure a very he's a lovable lovely. man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure he is, but I have a lot of, uh, <laughs> he scarred me a lot. He doesn't even know who the hell I am, but <laughs> he's still, he's caused a lot of pain for me in my life. Um, but he's a guy you can quarterback your offense with for a few possessions. You know, you, he's a guy that you can say, 
hey, we're just going to put give the ball to Marcus All in the high post, in the post. You know, we're going to run DHOs off of him, uh, excuse me, dribble handoffs off of him and things like that. And and you know what? We're going to trust that he's going to make the right decision because he's done it his whole career. I get everybody loves Jonas. You know, he he's he's your guy. You guys raised him basically. You know, yeah. he you, you know, and 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 fans do that with with every team. And I 100% understand it. You've invested so much time and energy rooting for this guy. So when he does something better or you see an improvement, you're elated and you jump up with excitement. But I'm gonna be honest with you, Marcus Sol's an upgrade over Jonas Valanciunas. At the end of the day, you know the things that he can do on the court. He can do just the same amount of stuff. Jonas can do and he can do more you know he can create the thing that Valentinus can't do is he's not a guy I trust to be a playmaker you know and I'm telling you you can build an entire offense if you want around Marcus Gasol because Memphis did it probably not anymore because he's getting old but you know he still has that in his mindset and and having a big that can pass like that and and still shoot the ball really well we saw him hit the uh the the four point play last night, you know, and shoot it as well as he can from range and things like that. Like it's a, you you, you got to just understand this is a better basketball play. It hurts to lose, you know, it, it hurts to send off your homegrown child um, <laughs> to bring in for to, to bring in Gasol, but you you know this is what you got to do if you're going to try to compete for a championship. And you know, there's a reason why a lot of people's eyebrows shot up when that trade happened and were like, wow, that's a really good trade for the Raptors. Yeah, for sure. Um, since Gasol's come here, by the way, I've said this on the podcast like a million times, but I'll repeat it here. Raptors are top five in assists. Um, they're, I think, second in passes. And the three-point shooting has been really, really good. And that's one of the things where, you know, you can fix your three-point shooting by getting a better shooter, but you can also fix your three-point shooting by getting a guy who passes better, makes better decisions. And I feel like that's also been one of the main benefits of uh, Gasol. So I feel like, look, the Raptors, I think most fans are pretty can, comfortable with what they are right now. Like, you know, can, the, I, inter- can I interrupt you? Yeah, real go, quick? go ahead. Because you made, you made a great point about how good of, how important it is for a shooter to have a good passer. You know, I don't think people understand the, how for shooters. And I really learned this in San Antonio. And then I really saw it in, uh, in JJ Redick when we were with the Clippers, you know, just exactly where they want the ball. You know, it makes such a big difference for shooters if the ball gets placed exactly where they want it. And and I saw it where Chris Paul would walk up to JJ going like, where do you want the ball? Like when you shoot, where, where, how do you want to catch it? Where do you want, you know, this and that. And they, and they knew it. And then you have a guy like Paul who can deliver that pass consistently almost every time. And he'll know when he's off a little bit. He knows if, if JJ missed the shot, it wasn't necessarily because JJ's form was off, but that pass screwed up his form. Excuse me, I got very excited on that word pass. Um, uh, the uh, you know and and but you know he knows that that kind of threw off his form a little bit, and I think that's a, something you have in Gasol is he's an excellent passer in that regard, and it's a great point you made, Will. Just you know having that guy being able to make those passes on a consistent basis and hit the target exactly where the shooters want it is key and critical and really improves shooters, you know, numbers and, and, and gives, makes it easier for them. The less movement for a shooter, it, it, you know, it's, it's better for them. The, the big thing for a shooter is, is repetition and being able to recreate the same shot over and over again. And, you know, that, that starts with getting the ball right where they want it in their, in the, in their shooter's pocket. And, you know, Gasol's, Gasol's a guy that can do that for you. Yeah, definitely. And this is something I think people will feel, I mean, as a Raptors fan, you know, like it doesn't really feel right to feel comfortable about a playoff run, but 
with the talent on the roster now, and especially all this talent that's like you know battle tested talent, where you got, you got finals guys who have won finals MVP and Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. Honestly, twenty fourteen was right there with Kawhi in terms right. of who could have won that. Finals MVP, and you got Marcus Gasol, who's been through a lot of, you know, battles. Kyle's been through a lot of battles at this point. You know, Serge Ibaka as well. I think, for the most part, people are pretty comfortable with where the Raptors are heading into the playoffs. Um, I guess we can start with the first round and just, you know, can you envision any of these potential matchups giving the Raptors problems? And if so, why? I mean, this might make for bad uh, podcasting, but I can't see them having problems in the first round. Um, Likewise. You know, know, it's just just a – the truth of the matter is they have so much depth. Um, They have the ability to play differently. I think depth is overrated in the playoffs. But what I mean by depth is they have the ability to play different styles, you know, um, which which I've kind of dinged them a little bit about how it goes very one-on-one to very pass-happy. But the, it is a good sign that when Kawhi goes to the bench, they can put Lowry in and they're going to get the best Lowry minutes during that time. You know, um, Siakam's numbers, uh, I don't know if they jump up much, when whether it's Lowry or, or Kawhi on the court, but I know he gets most of his assists or most of his be- buckets off of Kyle Lowry. Um, you know, Lowry's the one that hits him the most and, and finds him for buckets. So I think that's something that's big. It's I think it's a tune of, Lowry gets two assists a game off of uh, passes to to Siakam, and that's higher. Everybody else after that to Siakam is like 0.5 or 6 or whatever. Um, so I think that that kind of helps in that ability, being able to say, okay, we're just going to we're going to go into our Marcus Gasol play package for a little bit. You know, we're going to go into our Lowry play package. We're going to go to our Kawhi play package. We're going to go to our Siakam play package, which I didn't think that I was going to say before the start of this year. Um you know, but he's made massive improvements to his game. There's still elements where he needs to improve, but it's just they're just a hard team, and and I can't see a team really being able to unearth that. You know, um, it's you know it it looks like it's going to be what uh, uh, let me let me pull up the standings. I have I have it up here right now. So you know, it's it's possibly Detroit or Miami or or Brooklyn. Like none of those teams, I really think can hang can hang with you guys. Yeah, I would say, like, I agree with you. I don't think any of them can really hang too much. I think Detroit just might give them a little bit of trouble because, I mean, it's a weird thing. So I, I don't know if you, you, you're super in-depth, in tune with, uh, like, the Raptors' minutiae, but I think uh, Dwayne Casey and Nick Nurse have a bit of bitterness between the two of them. Uh, it's definitely shown up a couple times this season. But, um, yeah, I, I think Dwayne does have a little bit of industrial knowledge in terms of how the Raptors tick, and obviously he's seen Kyle Lowry in particular up close. Uh, and the Pistons, to their credit, they've defended the Raptors really well. Uh, but I, I really, realistically, I don't think that's too much of a trouble. I just think I just think that you know Blake Griffin, out of all the players, just that they could potentially match up with, he might give the Raptors the most trouble, just because it's hard for a skinny guy like Pascal to hold him in the post. But you know, the Raptors are trying out this like uh, they're trying to go backwards a little bit too, because they started the season splitting up the centers with JV and, and Ibaka and Gasol and Ibaka now. But they're starting to play Gasol and Ibaka together a little bit too, and I feel like, do you feel like that could be something a coach does in anticipation of playing a specific matchup like the Pistons, who do have a very very big front court? Yeah, I think that's something. You know, I listen personally just for my own entertainment value. I'd like it to be Detroit because I do want to see <laughs> that 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 battle uh, go back and forth. But it's not just Casey and Nick Nurse. You know, 
Blake Griffin has battled with Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol for That's years right. as well. You know, so these guys go back. Um, and there's definitely there's definitely going to be some stuff there. I think it's it's it'd be a fun matchup. You know, I think having Lowry and those guys, you know, battle with Reggie Jackson and 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 you know the Pistons having the two bigs and Drummond, who's had a great year. Drummond's not the guy that people think he is. You know, the the year he had this year is is has really shown how much he's improved, but everybody goes back to thinking of Drummond and they kind of just think to what he was a few years ago, but he's, he's really improved this year and, and, and playing really well next to Blake. And the, the thing is Blake can win you a couple of playoff games. I, I I've seen it. I've experienced it. Thanks to him. I had some good nights because of it. Um, it, you know, he can win you a couple of playoff games. I don't know if they have enough to win a series. They might make you sweat. They might win two games. Um, but I don't think it'll ever re- will ever really feel like it was a threat to to knock the Raptors out. But it is a smart thing to play Gasol and and Sia- and uh, not Siakam, excuse me, Surge together, just so that they can get used to each other on the court. The hardest thing for any of these teams that pulled off big trades at the trade deadline is you have a very small runway to develop some sort of chemistry going into the playoffs. If this is somebody that's going to play huge minutes for you, like Gasol is going to, like Tobias Harris for the Sixers, or uh, 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 Miritich hasn't been that big for the the Bucks mainly because of injury, but the, another guy. Um, but those are all guys that are going to have, you know, you got to develop that chemistry. So it's important to get them time on the court together, and it's not the same. Practice is not the same as a game. So I think that matters, and I think it's important to see that, and it's important for Nick Nurse to see that. Is this something I can go to if we play Detroit? Is this a lineup I can go to even when we're not playing Detroit? What do I get out of this? Where does this help us? Where does it hurt us? That's really what he's what he needs to do and, and, and evaluate that, and you need to do it in more than one game, right? You need to have more than just a small sample size. So I think it's smart to do it, especially preparing for Detroit because you know, they're, they're a definite possibility to – to be the team you match up with. They're definitely who, if I had my way, that's who it would be. Um, so I think that's something that, that we have to keep an eye on because that's exactly how you're probably going to start the games. I think, you know, or at least they're, they're going to get a lot of minutes together. Cause like you said, Blake's a tough cover for a guy like Siakam. Yeah, definitely. Like Siakam's they they played three times this season. Siakam fouled out twice. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Blake's just puts a lot of pressure on you. I mean, the, he doesn't get enough credit. He hasn't gotten enough buzz this year for how great he's been. This I haven't seen the numbers, but if it might be his best year or one of his best years where, you know, I mean, he he's he's shooting the ball well. He can take you off the dribble. He can post up. He's just a physical specimen and and and, and a very good beast. And, and again, another guy who can really pass and, and, he, and he'll find Drummond on those high low passes. They'll run a five four pick and roll, you know, and, and, and he'll be able to hit Drummond or hit the shooters in the corner if you guys you know, collapse too too far deep into tagging the tagging the roller. So, you know, he, he's a tough cover. It's, it, it'd be fun, but again, at the end of the day, I still would be shocked if they got more than two games, and two might even be a lot. Oh man, Dwayne Casey's going to celebrate those two wins, though. That, that's another, he, he should. He should celebrate he should. like two championships, actually. Let me let me ask you this question, Will. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you this question: If the timelines were different. Uh-huh. And if they traded for Kawhi Leonard before they fired Dwayne Casey, would they have fired Dwayne Casey? Uh, I think that's, that's so hard to say. I think Masai and Dwayne Casey have like always had a little bit of disagreement over the years in terms of how uh, 
I, I like I'm surprised that like Dwayne Casey didn't get let go after 2015 when they got swept by the Wizards. Like right. you know, it, the Raptors weren't healthy. Like Kyle Lowry wasn't healthy, things like that. But like to get swept in in a four or five series and to have Paul Pierce just like torch you for like 15, 18 points a game. Like you know, I, I was a little bit surprised, but I, I think um I think the chances are much better of him staying for sure because I think you probably want to present some sort of united front. Um, you know, with Kawhi here, you want to provide a stable situation. But I will say on, on that part, though, at least Nick Nurse has been really adaptable um, with the Kawhi situation. Like mm-hmm. him sitting out like basically random games for load management. I think I think I think Nurse has managed that pretty well. So I, in retrospect, it actually doesn't look like that bad of a decision. My the actual the actual question I have is, I mean, like let's say they had Kawhi first. Do you feel like Mike Budenholzer would have chosen the Raptors over the Bucks? That's a, that's another good question there. And if um, and if we all know if Bud doesn't go to the Bucks, then the Bucks are not what they are, right? Because Bud has completely turned that team around. Yeah, I think you know that's a, that's a, that's actually a really good question. Will damn you for thinking of that? I, <laughs> I, can we re-record that? I want to ask you that. Question. <laughs> um, no, you know uh, that's a good question. I mean that that that'd be a tough one for for Bud to pass up. I'll say this though. I would probably guess he takes the Bucks job just because you know Giannis is going to be there for a few more years. We don't know where Kawhi is going to be next year. Right. So, and 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 even if Bud was the coach, there's still no guarantee that that's you know that he's going to stick around and be that guy. You know that Kawhi's there the next year. So, it's a more of a stability thing, I think. And I bet you know the Bucks kind of bring that. Even if they had pulled that trade trade off earlier, I still think Bucks would have had a, a good chance at Bud. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, get, get back to our conversation about the playoffs. So let's let's skip past the first round because realistically they're going to be fine. Right. Second round, the Raptors are probably going to face up with the Sixers. Now, the Raptors have had a lot of success against the Sixers this year, but the Sixers, much like the Raptors, have had very different rosters throughout. Um, you know, there's been games Kawhi didn't play. There's games that Marcus All didn't feature in, you know, and things like this. So, right. but for the most part, I think the Raptors actually match up pretty well with a team like the Sixers. Um, and I'm I'm curious to get your take on it because if we just look at just you know position by position, Gasol's a very good post defender, has always been a good one, and you throw him against Embiid. Simmons has had a lot of trouble against Kawhi Leonard this year. He, he, one game, the first time they played together the, the, against each other, Simmons had 11 turnovers, and the game after they had seven. So, you know, Kawhi's been able to get into the ball and stop the offense, and uh, the rest of that team. The Raptors seem to have an answer for the Sixers. How do you see that situation? I mean, that's that's a great matchup for the Raptors, I think. Um, and I think having Gasol kind of really seals it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure Jonas would have done a, a good job on Embiid as well, but I feel like Gasol's still a better defender and, you know, just another big, uh, a huge body, um, you know, that, that he could throw on to Embiid. It's a challenge. It'd be a challenge for Philly in that sense. I think it's a good one for the Raptors. That's who you'd probably want to play in the second round over Boston or Milwaukee. Um, you know, but the thing is, if they can, it, the, the the thing that scares me about the Sixers is if they figure it out, the chemistry wise, you know, that, that they're the biggest chemistry experiment just because they've made two huge trades in the season, um, basically remodeled their entire team. I think they're if they figure out their chemistry, that's a tough thing. Just because, you know, Simmons is a can be a really good defender when he wants to be. So can you know Butler, Embiid's great as a rim protector. They provide some challenges, but at the same time, I think you guys have all the matchups you need. You have enough guys to throw at 
Jimmy, Tobias Harris, and Simmons, and Reddick for that matter. You know, I think I think that's who you would want to play. I think you guys should be very happy that they're the three seed. Um, it, it, they pretty much ha- are locked into that, and but it's not going to be easy, you know, because Embiid can walk into and be a, the best player at any game at any time. You know, he could be the best player on the court um, at any point. You know, and and there's there's a lot of challenges there. I I, I still think Kawhi's one of the best, and I think. You know, Embiid's right behind him, and he could really have an influence and an impact on the court. So, it's it's going to be a fun series. I don't think that's a clear cut. Like, I wouldn't be upset if the Raptors lost. I wouldn't be upset if Philly lost. I would be upset if it was like a sweep either way. I I, I would expect this to go six to maybe even seven games, just because I think they'll be able to throw haymakers back and forth. But again, I think this is where the Raptors' abilities to just play a few different styles is going to help them. And I, 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 I'd have to give them the edge. Um, and by the way, if you ask me tomorrow, I had completely changed my mind with all four teams. It, 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 it's, it's, I've been the most indecisive I've ever, ever been when it's come to picking these things. Um, just cause I'm like, Oh, well they could do this today. And then the next day, like, Oh no, well maybe they'll do that. You know? So it's a challenge, but I think it'd be a hell of a series. Yeah, for sure. And it feels like it's like the loser of the series is going to have to deal with some very, very difficult questions about their long-term uh, future just because both teams have very key free agents coming up. And, uh, you know, losing the second round, I think both these teams have higher expectations than that. Um, I think I think it's I think it's silly for Milwaukee, Toronto, Philly and Boston um, to if they, if they got upset losing in the second round to one of these other teams just because you know, if you get run out of the gym if you get swept or you lose in five games and you weren't close in any of those games then you should be upset but i really think on any given night you know this 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 could be a toss-up you know um i think they're all relatively closely even um you know i think that is that thing so i i i know that you're right toronto has huge questions about the future milwaukee i'm sorry Philly has huge questions about their future. So, you know, depending what happens this year really could affect on, on what the team looks like in next year and years to come. So I understand the pressure behind it, but as just a person who watches basketball, I just, I wouldn't be upset if whoever loses in a close, tough, hard fought series, I would just be like, ah, no, they, 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 the ball bounced their way this time. And that's, and that's kind of the end of it. Now, if you get swept, it's a whole different story. Yeah, for sure. I, I, look, Raptors, please don't just don't get swept again, okay? I've seen enough of these. Oh, I mean, you, you guys, <laughs> I've seen you enough guys, of these. Three in the last four years. Yeah, you guys can't deal oh, with it. Oh, my God. For you guys, I hope it doesn't happen. <laughs> just for the, 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 the mental, the mental uh, uh, stability of, of oh I, I don't know, what is it, Torontoans? I don't know what to call you guys. Torontonians. Torontonians. Yeah. Okay, that's actually kind of a fun word to say. Yeah. Uh, for you Torontonians, I hope uh, – I hope you guys don't get swept <laughs> at any point in the playoffs just because of uh, the the trouble you guys have had the past few years. Yeah, I don't even know what I what how Masai Ujiri would react. I mean, you change the star players, you change the the coach, you know, you bring in trade deadline acquisitions, and then you still get the same result. I mean, I don't even know what to do at that point. Um, Your head on the wall—that's all you can do. Yeah, <laughs> for real. I mean, the Sixers. I think the only thing with them is I'm I'm always it's always struck me as strange that they don't run much pick and roll and I always feel like because they have so many pieces on the roster and and one very unique piece in Simmons who 
has a very obvious strengths and very obvious weaknesses that if it forces him to play sort of an unorthodox style. But um, it does strike me as kind of weird that they don't run more of that offense through Jimmy Butler as the main you know playmaker and maybe Simmons at the four almost um, because it feels like that team should be really primed to play pick and roll. I'm trying to think about how you would guard a guy like Embiid in pick and roll situations, and it just seems it, it, it should be impossible on paper. Um, but- well, it goes it goes back. I mean, one they've they have run they they've they've picked up the number of how much pick and rolls they've ran this year compared to last year. I understood it last year just because you didn't want to crowd Simmons because you knew everybody's going to back off in the pick and roll. So, you know, instead of him having to have to beat two guys, you know, just have him try to beat his man or, or whatnot. Um, so I kind of understood it when the ball's in Simmons's hands, cause everybody's just going to lay off. And, you know, now you just have two guys crowding the paint versus j- just as the primary ball handler. Um, but they have, you know, down the stretch, they do turn to Jimmy, you know, Jimmy's their closer down the stretch and they run everything, you know, through him in crunch time, you know, and, and they are running some, you know, the, I, I highlighted it uh, a while back when I did a, a video breakdown of, of one of the Sixers games, and they ran a, a short action, which is something that uh, you'd have to look up Mike D'Antoni's sons um, back in the day. You know, they, they'd run it, and as Jimmy Butler's coming off the 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 pick on the high screen and roll, it's usually in beat setting. As he's rolling, you have Simmons really kind of in the, the dunker spot, you know, ready, and it kind of puts the the guy who's defending Embiid's defender in a tough spot. Does he stay with Jimmy? Does he go to Embiid? It puts the guy defending Simmons in a tough spot. Does he have to take the roller? Does that leave Simmons open or does he let Embiid roll right to the rim? You know, it, it, it puts teams in a, in a bit of a challenge. And if you try to help from the weak side, it's usually JJ or Tobias Harris in, in, in both corners. So, you know, Jeez. now you have two shooters, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough cover. Like, you know, I, I look at it, it's one of my favorite kind of actions out of it, you know, for this team. Um, but I, I it, it's a tough thing because they got just enough weapons to 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 hurt you with it. Um, you know, so they, they, they can play different ways. You know, they can go – they're going to go into the post with uh, Embiid, you know. And then when he's out of the game, they'll run a few more pick and rolls. They're going to do dribble handoffs. And they're running more dribble handoffs with J.J. Redick and Simmons, you know, and um, besides just uh, Redick and Embiid. So you're – we're seeing kind of the evolution of it. Again, it's hard to do these things in season without a training camp. You know, you're we're, we're seeing it with Marcus all. I'm sure there'd be a whole different type of offense, you know, uh, in place had, you know, you guys had Gasol at the beginning of the, the training camp and Nick nurse had time to really put all these things together and put this in, in practice and, and put these things in the playbox, uh, playbox playbook. Um, and 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 develop it. So I think we're going to see some interesting things in that series. I think we'll see more pick and roll. I, I, we're seeing it now. I think we're, we're 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 slowly getting more and more of that stuff. And I think you know Brett Brown's kind of experimenting and exploring it just the same way as Nick Nurse is with Gasol and Ibaka. So it'll it'll, it'll be interesting to see what comes out in that series. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let's see the Raptors get past the second round as well. They're in the East Finals now again. Uh, they're going to play one of the Celtics or the Bucks. Let, let's start with the Celtics first. I feel like the Bucks, to me, they just elicit fear all the time. Um, the Celtics, I feel like, I don't know where you stand on the Celtics particularly. The talent is there, but I think with Hayward, it's clear that he's not going to be as productive as he was pre-injury, at least this season. Um, with that, 
in mind and also Tatum sort of stagnating where he is in his development. It feels like the Celtics aren't as deadly as the talent and I guess as the preseason prognostications say, but where are you with the Celtics? I think the Celtics have the talent. It's whether they have the 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 locker room. Okay. You know, it's it's we've we've seen it all year with Kyrie having problems, you know, trying to learn how to be a leader on the job and not really having true leadership skills from what we've seen so far. Um, you know, and, and you can take that as a dig at Kyrie or, or whatnot. It just it's just been painfully obvious in, in in watching how he reacts and and to these guys. So it's it's been a struggle in that sense. I'd be more afraid of the Celtics if they had the right locker room, if they had the right chemistry and right mojo in their locker room than the Bucks right now, if if that were the case. But okay. just because their their locker room seems like a mess, you know, I value teams that can do can win different ways, you know, and that's kind of been my uh my thing about the Bucks and 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 Bucks fans are uh pretty upset with me and and rightfully so because you know they're this is the most fun they've had in a few years um with the team but i think this is a team i think the bucks are a very schemable team and i think that's something we might see in the playoffs you know uh okay do tell because again like i'm telling you i'm worried about the bucks they got like what 45 double digit wins yeah and that's fine you know and 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 that's regular season stuff you know and and the thing people have to understand, the biggest difference in the NBA between playoffs and the regular season is in the playoffs, we have time to sit down and actually game plan. And when I mean actually game plan, to literally look at you guys and go beyond just this is what they like to do. This is how we should defend this. And this is how we should defend that. It should be this is what we want to take away from these guys. This is how we're going to attack them. This is the stuff they give up. These are the shots we're going to take. These are the, sh- you know, once we make these shots, these this will open that up. So, looking at the Bucks, you know, first off, their pick and roll defensive coverage, they leave a lot of space in the mid range, you know, and that's perfect for a guy like Kawhi who can really work in the mid range and and come off and hit those shots, you know, and 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 open that stuff up, you know. So I think they're going to leave a with their bigs hanging so far back in the paint. It's going to open that door, you know, for that stuff. It's going to open the door for Marcus Gasol at the elbow, you know, pick and pop situations and and things like that. So there's going to be a lot of opportunities to score in the mid range. Once you start hurting them there and they got to adjust, then things will open up and you'll have the paint and you'll have you know more space on the three point line because they're going to have to adjust and go away from their main main defense, you know. Um, offensively, you know, listen. They shoot a ton of threes. They don't make a lot. They're average in, in three point percentage. You know, they're 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 league average. I think, you know, last I checked, they were around thirty five percent or so. I'm gonna click a few buttons while I talk, yeah. so I'm sure. Thirty five percent. Thirty five point three, they're about twelfth. Okay, so it's it's gone up a little bit. Last time I looked, they were like fifteenth. Um, but they shoot there, but they're they're top in the league in shooting or, mm-hmm. or second. You know, it's it's one of those things where like I'm not I'm not going to give up open threes to them. What I'm going to do is, listen, Giannis is going to get his. It doesn't matter if you double team him, triple team him. He's going to get his. When he really hurts you is when he's getting his and the other guys are getting theirs. So great. I'm going to try to play Giannis one-on-one. I might you know, find opportunities to double and, and depending who's on the court and whatnot. But I'm staying with the shooters. Chris Middleton is not going to get an open three. Meritich is not going to get an open three. Brooke Lopez is not going to get an open three. 
Like if they're if when they kick it out to him, there's going to be a guy right in their shorts. You know, it's going to be ready to go to give him a hard contest. And if they make shots, they make shots. You know, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge Giannis to beat me by himself for an entire series. And it's not to say that he can't. It's damn tiring to do that. It is hard to do. You know, it is a it, 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 he might have phenomenal numbers, but it'll, he, he might slowly wear down in that sense. And that's a lot of pressure on him for a team that's never gotten out of the first round, you know, with, you know, and a lot of those guys don't have a ton of playoff experience to begin with. You know, I, I think they're, I think they're very schemable in that sense. That's the first place I would start with that, you know, and then I would change where I'd pick Giannis up. Sometimes I'd pick him up full court. Sometimes I'd meet him at half. Sometimes I'd meet him below the three point line. Sometimes I meet him at the three point line. I would just experiment with so many different ways to just kind of keep him off balance. Um, you know, it's it, it's Canada, so I don't know how much you guys are up to American football, but you never blitz the quarterback from the same position over and over again. Um, it's just easy for them to pick apart. But if you have them guessing and have them confused as to where this stuff's coming from, then th- then you have a shot. And I think that's what I would do with them. You know, I think when I look at the Celtics, and I'm sorry, this is a long-winded answer, I think the Celtics – if they can get their guys going, I mean, Tatum's been in a slump, you know, Kyrie's one of the best closers in the game though, but if they can get guys going, they can play different ways. You know, they can run some stuff through Al Horford for a few possessions and give Kyrie a break and whatnot. And I know everybody's going to say to me, well, well, they can run stuff through Chris Middleton. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with same. that. Yeah, it's not the same. I'm, fi- I'm fine with that. That's fine. Yes, that's what I want. Run your offense through Chris Middleton. That's fine. And if he beats us, great. I'll shake his hand and, and, and start working on my off season. Um, but I'm not a big Bucks believer in that sense because they only play one way, and it's everything through Giannis. And and if you find a way to minimize that impact, you're gonna have a great chance to win the series. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's the thing: the Raptors actually they played the Bucks like uh, two years ago in the 2017 playoffs, and the Bucks played really well. You know, they they took a two one lead at one point, and the Raptors roster was different, and the Bucks roster was different, and also they had different coach and stuff like that. A lot, a lot has changed in the last two years. But, like, Giannis in that series averaged 25 points a game, shot 53% from the field, even shot 40% from three, uh, you know, and filled the box score, obviously, with everything else. But, uh, you know, the Raptors got through that was in, in six. And a lot of that was kind of the same strategy as you mentioned. You know, you, you kind of take away the shooters. They've gotten better shooters, and some of their shooters have gotten better. But, um, yeah, I agree with you. How do you look at a, a guy like, you know, Malcolm Brogdon? He may or may not be back in time for the East Finals if they get that far. Um how does that change their dynamic? Because to me, from the outside, it feels like you know a guy goes down in Bud's system, but Bud has these guys operating and, and, and executing so well that even a guy like Sterling Brown could just randomly come in and give you pretty good production, good minutes. You know, Pat Connaughton. Every time I look up, he's having good minutes. So, um, you know, I mean, I'm not uh, Sterling Brown and Pat Connaughton are nice. I'm not worried about them okay, in the playoffs. Fair enough. If, they, if, fair they, enough. if they're if they're beating me in the playoffs, I have bigger problems. You know, um, to be honest, and, 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 and it's not a slight on those guys. I mean, how much playoff experience do those guys have? You know, um, listen, Brogdon was a big blow to them. You know, he besides the fact that he was a 50, 40, 90 guy, you know, he has a great ability, just kind of straight line drives and mm-hmm. really put pressure on the defense. So, you know, it, he, he definitely would have been a problem. I would probably still stay with my my same game plan. But he would definitely be that problem. He's a tough dude. He's he's a tough player, you know. And 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 that's he's definitely a challenge. What I think people underestimate 
with with a guy that's going to be out six weeks, in particular with a leg injury, it really shoot, hurts your conditioning more than anything else. It's not an it's not a thing where you can keep running and keep keep your your wind up and 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 things like that and and and, and keep that conditioning it's not an, an upper body injury it's not like a bicep injury or like okay well i can run i can do all those things um you know it's one of those things where he's got to rest you know and 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 not be on the court so it takes a while to come back from that so even when he comes back on the court it takes a while to get back into game shape and now we're not asking him to get into game shape we're asking him to get into playoff game shape right which is even more intense which is even harder it's 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 one of those things like everything the intensity level ratchets up another 10 you know 10 percent 15 percent like each game not each series each game as you know depending on the situation if you lose game one man that game you guys know it that game two is so stressful it's the worst feeling (laughs) yeah it's it's that thing you know and 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 i think those are the things that that people tend to overlook and i think that's something that that injury really kind of hurts them not just because of the timeline of when he comes back but how long it'll take for brogdon to be back and i even kind of counter i know there's been a uh tweets going around on 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 twitter about you know well you know they've only played Giannis 32 minutes a game or or whatnot you know wait until they kick it up to 40 i go like you know at a certain point it's a rate of diminishing returns you know i know we always go oh the per 36 i go like you know i hate the per 36 yeah nobody's playing 36 minutes anymore well, it's not even that. Even if you are, you know, how you played in that eight minutes stretch from the 24 to the 36 minute. Right. You're not as fresh, you know, depending on when that is and, and things like that. So Giannis going from 30 minutes to let's assume 40. It's 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 a stressful 40 minutes. And like I just said, it's even more intense because the playoffs. So it's not even a more 10 more minutes or however more minutes he's. Let me pull up his number since I have I'm on his page. It's just laziness on my end. Um you know, but like it's it's more intense. It's a stressful situation. It's not an easy uh, it's not even just a regular eight regular season minutes. It's eight playoff minutes. This is basically like 15 regular season minutes. Like it's a it's a whole other thing. I can't figure out how to work the Internet. Um, <laughs> the So, you know, but it's it's all this thing. So I, I even think with Giannis pushing him to play 40 minutes after his body's been conditioned to play just 32, 33 minutes. I won't be surprised if we start to see him tire, you know, especially if a series goes long and it's see him get tired in games five, six and seven because he's playing 40 something minutes when he's not used to having done that all year. Um, I think all of that kind of matters and, 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 and comes into play with with the Bucks. So uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to have angry Bucks fans now. This is all your fault. No, though. this is perfect. Listen, as a Raptors fan, I'm what you have just said really comforts me. Uh, just mentally and thinking about the Bucks, I, and I, I will say, like, if you just look at the playoffs as like a war of attrition, right? Because it is, like you mentioned, high intensity. And it's a lot of games, and you know you're seeing the same opponent over and over again. The Raptors have more bodies they can throw on Giannis than the Bucks have in terms of bodies they can throw on Kawhi. And I and I feel like you know you obviously the Raptors have primarily chosen Pascal Siakam to match Giannis just physically. Actually, that that matchup actually works nicely. Um, not not that anyone you know physically is equal to Giannis. I mean, he's probably the most athletic player in the game right now. But you know, Siakam is long, you know, quick things like that. Uh, and then you got Kawhi, you can throw on him. Occasionally, you could put Oji Anobi on him as well. Whereas the other side, the Bucks, you know, they have Chris Middleton, who's done a decent job on Kawhi Leonard this season. Um, 
Although I felt like some of that was just a little bit just Kawhi being off rhythm, to be honest, in a couple of those games. But, um, you know, they have Chris Middleton and, and past that. They don't really have a guy. I mean, if they want, they could put Giannis on Kawhi, but then that still leaves, you know, Pascal who can go one-on-one against a smaller guy. Um, Gasol can obviously get his offense a little bit as well. And in terms of that pick-and-roll offense, you know, Gasol being able to shoot the above-the-break three, that helps a lot because the Bucks are leaving that open every single time. So, uh, you know what? I- I'm feeling better about the Bucks series. Thank you. <laughs> You're 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 welcome. And Raptor fans, when when you see me getting attacked on Twitter, uh-huh. I, I I'm not going to respond. I expect you guys to respond. Okay, that is one and, thing Raptors fans do really well on Twitter is uh, defend. Oh no, no, so. yeah, no. Listen, listen. You go. <laughs> I've had my run-ins with you guys. Yeah. What, what what did you say? I don't know. I'm sure I just said I didn't believe in you guys last uh, year. Uh, well, I, you know what? You know what it was last year when everybody was talking about. Oh, the 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 Raptors are different. I was just like, man, at the end of games, you guys are going to be the same team. Uh, that was my that was my opinion. It was just I didn't feel like you guys changed as much as you thought you changed. Yeah, yeah. That that. I, uh, I, I'm sorry. I didn't, no, we, it's we were true. It's, high note, and now I feel like I just poured salt. No, no, <laughs> it's an old wound. That's completely true. That's exactly what happened to the Raptors last year. Um. Yeah. Okay. So, the Bucks. We talked about the Bucks. The Celtics. You know, I, I see. I see what you're saying with the talent and, and, and versatility, and of course, Al Horford has always been a guy that's torched the Raptors. Kyrie's had a couple of great games against the Raptors this year as well. Um, I, I just feel like you know, especially now that you have Gasol up there, right? Like I, one guy I felt like was, you know, as sort of playoff series, and you, you get deeper and deeper into the playoffs, you get more and more versatile teams. I felt like JV was a guy where. Because he's limited defensively, and in terms of just you know physically and also the way he reads the game, it, it's it's quite honestly both of them are pretty slow. Um, it was difficult to play him against a team like um, you know the Celtics. Even Aaron Baines was out playing uh, in in those specific matchups. And then you swap in that with a guy like Gasol, and then you've also had Serge, who actually matches up pretty well with Horford. He's had a lot of success against Horford so far, and just physically, he kind of you know negates a lot of what Horford does really well. Um, I don't know. I feel I feel pretty confident about the the Celtics series too. This is crazy. Now I'm, I'm saying the Raptors are going to the finals and uh, feeling oh, good boy. about it. You know, I'm going to be disappointed <laughs> again every year. I'm a Raptors fan. It's, I'll be it's, disappointed. It's certainly, it's certainly possible. <laughs> it's certainly in the realm of possibility. I even put Warriors on here as in, in the topic list. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think I don't think you guys can beat the Warriors. Nope. I think when once the Warriors go small. I think that becomes a problem for you. I think you know. Well, you don't like Pascal uh, at five. The Raptors' secret weapon this year. Yeah, no. So, like I said, once the Warriors go small, <laughs> I don't. I I just I just don't. You know, and, and listen, I know everybody's going to come back and say like, "Well, we swept them." The regular season Warriors are a very different team than Finals Warriors, right? If they get to the finals, they're very different. They're much more into it. They're at the end of this thing, and 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 we all think, you know, I don't know how, what your belief is. My belief is this is kind of the final run of this iteration of the Warriors, and they ain't going out losing. Um, so I, I, I think we'll get the best of them. I think, you know, it's a tough cover, you know, Steph, Clay, all those guys, you know, um, you're, you're, you're certainly equipped to, to, to run with this team. You have enough wings, you have enough depth to, to chase these guys around. But, you know, the thing about the Warriors is they just freaking find ways to win and it annoys you, Yeah. you know, and, 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 you know, Steph is so good at relocating right after he passes and, I mean, you can see it in the defender's eyes. Okay, I stopped Steph's drive. Great, he just passed. Oh, shit, he's open now. <laughs> yep. You know, it's just yep. basically what happens. You can see it, you know. Um, he, Steph passes, and he knows he's just going to relocate right to another spot. And 
And and and you know what? Your defender has just as soon as he passed, it's natural instinct to just kind of let up for like a split second. Steph takes advantage of it, hits a three. You know, it's it's those kinds of things. And at the end of the day, I mean, it'd be fun as hell to watch Kawhi and KD go at each other. Oh man, they had one of the greatest one-on-one battles of the season. That was an overtime. Kawhi had thirty-eight and uh, and KD had fifty-one. Right, and I yeah. think it's just it's 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 going to be a fun series. It'd be a fun series to watch. You have Kyle Lowry and Van Vliet to kind of chase around Steph. You know, um, all of these guys. It 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 won't. I don't think it'd be a sweep, but it'd be. But I'd I'd be very 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 impressed if the Raptors beat the Warriors in the finals. Listen, if the Raptors even get one win in the finals against these Warriors, who by the way, you know, have basically five All Star caliber players, I think the Raptors will hang a banner for that. Uh, you know, in in the uh, in the Scotiabank Arena, they actually have a Bon Jovi banner, believe it or not. So, well, listen, the Staples Center <laughs> has a Taylor Swift banner, so it's not like I'm going to judge. Oh, that's right. Oh uh, yeah. So with the Clippers, so it's actually true that they would during Clippers games they would cover up the Lakers banners. That was a Doc thing. Um, so it, it, it started right when Doc came, and uh-huh. his reasoning was, it he's like, how can it feel like a Clipper home game? when you have those banners kind of overshadowing you. And I, I, I understand the point. I mean, it makes, it, 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 it makes sense. You know, you, even though it's the Clipper home game, there's still Lakers, you know, paraphernalia all over the place, you know? Um, yeah. And, and, and so I understand it. It's just, it's just, you know, everybody wanted, listen, everybody wants to make fun of the Clippers. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, we're, we're, you know, we were the, the redheaded stepchild literally when we had Blake, uh-huh. um, you know, of, of, of the LA basketball market, right. You know, if you're either a Laker fan or, um, you, you just rooted against the Lakers by being a Clipper fan. So it was one of those things. And, and so I understand why doc does it. It, 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 it makes sense. Um, it is kind of, it was kind of weird to see like all our players, you know, it was, it's kind of like Clipper propaganda, right, you know, right, right. all these dudes. And then, you know, and inevitably like, one of those guys would get traded and you'd be like, this is awkward now. Um, right. But, you know, but that's the, uh, but that's kind of what Doc, that's what Doc instituted and it's smart. And, 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 and he, uh, and I understand it, you know, cause you are trying to create a home court one way or another. And, and that's just, it's just tough to have that overshadowing you. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, as you know, Raptors fans right now are, are not at odds with Clippers fans because you know those don't exist. But uh, you know, it's just all, all this—the Clipper pursuit of Kawhi Leonard has, has people kind of negative towards the Clippers these days. But you know, uh, no, all, I mean, things, I, all things, all things considered, the Clippers have done a pretty good job rebuilding that team. Uh, they've done a great job rebuilding on the fly. Um, you know, uh, I, I do think you know Raptors fans, you you guys need to get to the finals, man. Yeah, if, 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 I mean that's that's the key there. Um, yeah. I, 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 you know, I think you know it's going to be fifty fifty. It's going to be close. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to leave you with good feelings there. But uh, um, if you don't get to the finals, I think you might have a problem. All right. Well, there you go. That's why. Well, at least you know you made us feel better about the Buck series and the Sixers series well, and I, you know, I all gave, those other stuff. I gave you the chances to, to get to the finals. I gave you everything you need to do. You need to send this to Nick Nurse when you all play right. the Bucks. I'll, I'll um, slip it along at practice. You know, just be like, hey, you need to listen to this guy for a little bit. Um, yeah, but that's uh, – if you guys get to the finals, and I think, listen, you guys got a good chance, you know, the more yeah. I think about it. Again, tomorrow I'll change my mind and the wind will blow a different way. But, um, 
you know, you, you definitely got a shot. There's no, this is, I feel way more comfortable and confident in this team than I have in any other Raptors team. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, and then lastly, to, to end the show, uh, you know, you spent two seasons with the Spurs between 09 and, the, and uh, 2011. Uh, you saw Danny Green's first season with the Spurs. I kind of consider that his rookie season. Like, I don't really want to you know, count the uh, the river dancing version of Danny Green with, like, the 08, <laughs> 09 uh, Cavs. I mean, honestly, he was like – I was thinking about this the other day. He was basically the Cameron Payne. Remember how Cameron Payne used to always yep. dance for Russell Westbrook? He was basically LeBron's Cameron Payne. Except he turned that into like a ten-year career. He's going to get another great contract after this season. He's been phenomenal. Um, so, I mean, just share with us any uh, stories you have, Danny Green, because he's probably, in terms of public rating here in Toronto, like the most popular Raptor at, the, at this point. Well, I mean, after last night's game where he, you know, shot Man. the piss out of it, he better be. I mean, he's shooting like forty percent on the season, right? With you guys, um, uh, shoot forty-five percent. Gosh, yeah, he's right. yeah, had a right great now. comeback season. Yeah. I mean, this has been a phenomenal year for him. You know, it's amazing to to watch a guy, and this is a true testament about you know working your butt off. You know, Danny came from from Cleveland to to San Antonio, played even less games in San Antonio. Um, you know, only played in eight games that year, but he was in the gym every day working. He's he's improved immensely. Um, you know, kind of like coming out of UNC. You know, he wasn't. He was just an athletic guy. He wasn't a shooter, you know, and really worked on his game and, and really kind of patterned his his game around being a, a, a three and D guy. And, and you know, you got to tip your hat to him. He's been phenomenal. You know, you, you know, my my biggest memories of Danny is just that he was always in the gym working, you know, always, you know, three on three, you know, games or whatever and and, and competing. And, and he had a fire and wanted to get better and wanted to improve. And you just see all this stuff. So it's it's amazing to see the growth in this, you know, this kid kind of really developing. And, and you know, it's it's funny to call him a kid. He's a grown-ass man now. But, you know, kind of just seeing him mature to the point that, you know, he was huge, like you said at the beginning of this, you know, in the Spurs winning the championship in 2014. You know, he was a big part in them getting to the finals in 2013, you know, and, and he's – been a guy you know and he he struggled a little bit since then and it's great to see the resurgence now in 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 toronto and 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 how well he's kind of built i mean he's earned it in every sense of the word he was never satisfied with his where he was you know and worked his tail off and it's, it's a true testament to his character more than anything else and just overall just a great guy you know, he's got that big smile that just you, you can't help smile when he smiles at you. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, and it, it sometimes it's annoying because you want to be grumpy and he just gives you that smile and you're like, oh, well, fuck you, Danny. <laughs> um, you know, and then you end up smiling. So, I mean, it's just yep. one of those things. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's OK. No, it's fine. I, to, um, I told you for fun. We could do this. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, so, you know, but it's just one of those things that's like, you know, he he he, he just kind of exudes good personality, good locker room guy, great teammate. He's everything you would want in your teammate. Um, and, and, you know, and, and, and he's everything you want in your locker room. So I think it's, it's awesome seeing him kind of blow up again this year and, and, and shooting the piss out of it after he shot the way yeah. he shot it last year. Not that he shot it bad either. He was a 36% shooter last year um, with the Spurs, but it's impressive to really kind of see him take, take that leap again and, and really big. And that was a big thing too. When, when the trade went down, I remember just turning to somebody going like, that's not a throw in. 
Yeah. Like, I know that's what it looks like. I, I was surprised I, the Spurs just kind of tossed him into kind of balanced salary. In fact, they actually gave the Raptors an extra $5 million in the deal just to sort of offset the money. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and, and I think that's a, a big – a big thing. So I just think for him, I think it's 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 awesome to watch him do all this stuff, and 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 it's earned and it's deserved. Every 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 little bit of success he gets and whatever big payday he gets at the end of this year, it's all deserved. Yeah. See, there you go, Raptors. Please, when we, when we make the finals and uh, and and Kawhi resigns, obviously, and and you know, and <laughs> the, the salary cap is you know way way in the in the. River Mirror, please make sure to also save some money in the budget for Danny Green as well, because he, he's worth it, man. He, he's completely worth it. Um, well, I mean, where would this team be without him? I mean, exactly. it's not, you know, he's he is he's a guy you have to account for defensively. You know, it's, he's 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 a high level shooter. He's one of those guys. He's a reason why you can't pack the paint. You know, and 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 you know, you 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 aren't having the season you're you're having if if. Danny Green isn't a part of it. It's important. We, stars take you a long way, but role players really help you as well. We've seen it in every finals, you know, in every playoff run. We've seen role players step up, you know, for years and decades in the NBA, and this is this is a, a true example of it. Yeah, there you go. All right, Mo, thank you so much for appearing on the podcast. Uh, where can people find you and your work? Uh, you can, you know, the best place to do is just follow me on Twitter at modakiel underscore NBA. That um, I tweet out all that stuff. Sometimes I tweet out nonsense, but you can ignore that and enjoy my my basketball stuff. I'm doing some, as as Will said, contributing with the Washington Post. So there'll be some writing coming up there. Uh, I have a podcast which you can find on iTunes called The Jump Ball. Uh, yeah, and just you know, follow me on Twitter, and you'll you'll always see my my stuff. Thank you, Will, for having me and letting me talk for way longer than i should have no this is this is great and by the way i I, i've so i visited the jumpball.net yesterday sort of doing some research for the show and stuff when it comes to your finances you think you've done it all you've saved you've researched and you've invested all that you can now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor yahoo finance as america's number one finance destination yahoo finance has everything you need whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Um, and I watched, I ended up, I found myself watching many of the Jump Ball University uh, videos. <laughs> yeah, I gotta... I'm not going to lie. It's uh, the production of those videos could maybe use a bit of work. Um, yes. <laughs> but I found it to be super educational, you know, in terms of, you know, as, as fans, like if you want to know more about the game, like nobody really takes you through like what, what is the strong side? What's like a pin down, right? Um, how, what are the different strategies to play ping roll? And so. There's like like two three minute videos here on the jump ball and uh, the jump ball university and they're 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 really useful especially if you can get around like the you know the MS Paint uh, 
graphics that uh, are at the hey, start listen, of that video. Listen, videos. man, I'm not a, I, <laughs> just because I live in Hollywood don't mean I have a special effects uh, yeah, guy no... in the background. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I do my best with what I can on Final Cut Pro. Yeah. No, no seriously, those are, I, you know, I'm joking, but really, seriously, those are very educational videos. And the Jump Ball uh, podcast as well. So, Mel, thank you so much. And, uh, and finally for listening to the podcast if you haven't already please i know you're probably tired of hearing me say this but please rate and review the podcast on itunes and you know wherever else you're listening to podcasts but especially on itunes that's the raptors over everything podcast for yahoo sports canada and uh i'll be back next week with more of the raptors recap When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.